Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a fantastic edition that we've got of the 1875 podcast. You can see there's quite a few people going to be involved today. And for the first time, I think, ever, maybe, we're going to be doing a little bit of a video to it as well. Um, so if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm sorry. Um, Tom, would you like to explain the decor in your background? I'm in my, my mister's bedroom, so I'm um, staying at hers at the moment. So it's a uh, different setup. It was not the plan to be on video. We can blame Jacob for that. He came on all bald as brass on video. So and then Jonathan went on and then I said, well, I'm in the garage, as you can see behind me. Um, um, but we're going to get on with it. We're actually here. You can see we've got Rich Sharp here. We've got Jacob here. Um, we're going to be t uh, tapping into their knowledge of journalism and um, looking at seeing if you can tell us any inside information about transfers, but mainly about what it's like to be a reporter in this time, working from uh, trying to get something out of Blackburn Rovers. Uh, we've also got Jonathan Secker. He's here mainly as a fan, and it was also this is his brainchild, really. So we'll blame him if it all goes wrong. And we've got Tom here, who's kind of got a foot in both camps, really. And I, I want to kind of get his opinion on what it's like being a fan, but also having that journalist side of it as well. So there's quite a lot to get through. We've got an action-packed order of players, as it were. Um, but we're just going to start with a little bit of um, recording this on Monday. And obviously it's 20 years to the day since uh, Sir Jack Walker, or Uncle Jack as we prefer to call him, passed away. Um, Jonathan, I'm going to come to you on this first of all. I know from previous chats that we've had that we support, started supporting Rovers in around 90, 1991, around about the same time. So, you know, just give us a, a couple of words on what it was like being a Rovers fan during the 90s when, when Sir Jack was, was around. Uh, where, where do you start actually um, I think the word legend is often overused in football but it just sums up Jack Uncle Jack so much um, you never see a, an, an owner like that again someone that's actually transformed the club well not just the club the community the whole place someone who bankrolled it has, has been well publicised but actually cared cared about every single member in the club wanted Blackburn as a as a town to thrive and um saw his dream come true. Um, I remember as a, as, a, as a young Blackburn fan in the early 90s, the three names that were so common with Blackburn were Shearer, Dalglisha, Walker. Those were the people that knew, knew Blackburn for, for um, yeah, I just, it's just so poignant to remember him and, and all that he'd done. And an owner that, like compared to some nowadays that just bankroll, he was someone that really cared, someone that, that really made a difference and he'll, he'll, he'll never be forgotten. He's the one that really helped to put, um, put us on the map again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we miss him every day. And of course, it's good that the fans still sing about him every game, really. Um, and he'll always be with us, I think. I'm just going to play a clip, hopefully this works, of um, the interview that we did with Brad Friedel. And um, I asked him about when he signed for Rovers in 2000 and what it was like kind of signing for Rovers at that time. 
No, I didn't sense it um, too much because um, when I first started talking, Sir, uh, Sir Jack Walker was still was still alive. Um, so I didn't really know what was going to happen, like, how well run the club was. I didn't really know who ran the club um, when, you're, when you're not there on a day-to-day basis. Um, but when you quickly go there and you see you're in the championship, but you still see the facilities, you still see you know, how you travel, you see how the amount of staff is allowed to, is, is employed, the quality of staff that's employed, quality of players that are allowed to be brought in, you quickly see that it's a well-run club. Um, after, uh, after getting to, you know, being at the club and getting to know John and Tom a little bit and going in and speaking to them with regards to negotiations and, uh, things like that and they explain how the how they do their purchases and how they do their budgets um and you know that's for them to tell you if you if uh, they want you to um it was just an impeccably run club that where the club would never have been in financial difficulty um any loans that they had outstanding um, would have more than been able to be paid off um but would always having a competitive So I'm going to come to you with that, Tom. Hopefully you heard that okay. Friedel talking about how well the run the club was and can maintain a competitive edge, even though we were in the championship at the time when he signed for us. Does that remind you of the club that we now see? Or are you thinking, God, that was such a good time 20 years ago? I mean, it's certainly different, isn't it? It's not, not necessarily the same now. And um, it's worth knowing, 20 years ago, I was only two. So <laughs> uh, that... To me, like it's a different world, isn't it? Like really, from what I can remember. Um, but yeah, it is. It's different now, isn't it? It's not. It's not as well run um, as what perhaps we'd like. But um, I guess football has peaks and troughs, doesn't it? So we'll just see. Yeah, we certainly kind of hark back to those days, maybe a little bit too much, because um, obviously people like myself and Jonathan and loads of other fans remember those days. But um, let's move on to kind of modern day. Let's see what you know, Rich and, and Jacob think about transfer window time. I'll come to you first, Rich. I know that Rovers isn't your first rodeo. You covered um, other clubs before coming to Blackburn. Um, so you've had a few transfer windows probably. Is transfer window time your favourite time to be a journalist? Sorry, I think um, for some people, I think they actually seem to enjoy the transfer window and wanting signings more than the actual football. Um, so no sooner like nine games in 32 days or whatever. And I think everyone probably thought there's normally a bit of a lull. Uh, and I think it's just accelerated this year a bit more because the season's coming around so quickly. And for probably the first time since I've really covered Rovers. Um, there's been genuine holes in the squad. I think before there's always been transfers that people think, oh, I'd quite like to strengthen here or we need to strengthen there. Probably central midfield after they went down where um, Low Guthrie and Akpan went and they were short central midfielders. The cupboard is bare in a few, in a few areas and I think until those, are, um, until those are addressed in this window, I think there's going to be plenty of questions. Um, and I think I, I understand it, and I think journalists have probably driven it to a point of asking the manager so much about it. Um, and for the next however many weeks it is, and a couple of months until it does shut, it's going to be a constant theme throughout the um, throughout the course of the window. I think for Robes in particular, they're not 
really going to be linked with masses of players because while they do need certain position strengthening, I can't see there being masses of numbers coming through the door. So they don't need that many players, but the players that they do need need to be uh, an upgrade on, on what they've had and certainly been positions that they need to address. Jacob, do you look forward to transfer window time? Um, to be honest, I, I don't personally. Um, it's sort of like a circus of, of rumours and um, like faking the no accounts. But I agree with Rich where like, I, I, certain journalists do sort of um, enjoy the, the month and the experience of it. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm more of like a, a match sort of fan myself. I prefer the, the weekly routine of you know maybe a press conference and, and a game here and there. Um, but it's uh, there's only like certain so many questions that you can ask, especially Mowbray. Um, you end up sort of like repeating yourself on certain questions in regards to the transfer market and stuff. And and so um, it's it's not you can only ask a certain amount of questions. You can only find out so much. But um, yeah, I, I must admit the transfer market isn't a favourite of mine. Now you mentioned there very early on about Twitter and you know the merry-go-round that seems to carry on on there. Do you know who your trusted sources are at this stage? I know you're relatively new to covering Rovers. It was only this year that you got the gig with Blanks Live, but do you already know kind of who to look out for and who to ask about rumours? Yeah, it's um, it's sort of like building up your contact book, really. Um, like you, you build relationships and, and you build contacts and stuff. And I always remember when um when I was training to be a journalist, like one of um one of the the, the older chaps, the the more senior journalist that I, I was working with, he always said a reporter's only as good as your contacts book. And um, like there's there's people out there that I, I, I sort of. I know I can speak to you can you can trust I'm I'm sure Rich would obviously say the same and um and obviously when coming up to Blackburn um it's sort of a new environment for me obviously meeting new people and you have to work hard at sort of building those relationships and um yeah you always have to be kind of generous in a way you always have to make sure you're nice to them um so yeah it's just building relationships Rich, are you being nice even when you don't want to be sometimes? Do you know who your, your sources are that you go to as well? I think you obviously need to recognise that depending on who you speak to, we're speaking to you for different reasons, um, which is why people drop stuff in. Um, I think the thing I've probably found more with Rovers than anything is it's you know the speed of the deals. So you can get like thinking of Adarabio last year, um, got wind that there was possibly a lad from City coming and then it turns out to be Adarabio. Then they're in the pre-season friendly, so you're speaking to Mowbray about it and he's still not signed until like two weeks later. Mm. And it's hard to get, it's like the running commentary. I think like you think of names come out there and I think people just expect them to be, you know, signed, sealed and delivered the next day. And I think that's the difficult thing is that they do take time. Um, and I think we need to be patient as much as, you know, anybody else because there's only so much that you can say or at a certain time. Um, but it has been, I mean, on Wednesday, it'll be 11 months exactly since Rovers last signed a player. So I can see why everyone's overdue in wanting one um, because they've waited, they've waited so long. Um, and like I said, it's everybody's going to be in the same boat, I think, with the season coming around so quickly and the window being open for quite a long time after the season's going that, I think teams will take time to um, to develop as the season does go on. 
Yeah, I don't think there's that been that much transfer kind of confirmed all across the whole of the championship. Tom, last I said when in, in the introduction, you are kind of have a foot in both camps with what your column in the Telegraph and also what you do with us at Rovers Chat. Do you kind of get frustrated with the r- rumours that you see on Twitter? How do you deal with it as a fan and also knowing a little bit of journalism as well? I tend to message Rich, to be honest with you. <laughs> like, um, and to be fair, like, like I said, because I've got my degree in it and, and I've done bits and bobs like, around. I think you can get wind on certain Twitter accounts that are clearly just spouting nonsense. Um, you see some of them that have about 13 followers and they get wind of something and you've got about five or six people tweeting Richard Jacob saying any truth in this, any truth in this and I don't know, I think I think I don't envy them. Um obviously I'd love to have the job of reporting on Rovers, that's fantastic. But the the constant just pestering, um, I guess, and fans asking questions that um aren't necessarily that clever from because of, of these fake accounts. And I think you can tell um when they're fake and, and when they're there's some substance behind them. You know, fans like Jonathan Secker, you mean, who's always, you know, on Twitter looking at all these rumours. Jonathan, as a, as a pure fan, as it were, do you just take, I, I mean, obviously we're experienced, we know how to take these things with a pinch of salt, but it's not half exciting when you see someone you actually like being linked with the club. So it must be difficult for you, for you not to kind of get on the bandwagon and, and kind of start asking questions to Rich and Jacob and anybody else who might be listening. Yeah, you've summed it up quite well there, Andy, and that's actually in the notes I've scribbled down beforehand, I've said exactly that. Um, I, th- I think I'm probably, I'd like to think of myself as probably a more <clears throat> diplomatic, patient fan compared to some of the fan base, but at the same time, I probably do lose track of the amount of times that I check hashtag Romans on Twitter each day. Um, like, like Tom said as well, you can, you can pick out the in-the-know people that know nothing, um, but equally, when you do see people constantly linked, and or probably the, the key one at the moment is Dylan Phillips, you do just want to see that progress because you know it's a position we need to fill. You know, actually, it's a it's a good replacement. I saw him when we played Charleston twice last season, and he was he was very good. Certainly at the Ewood fixture, his stats um, stack up well for the season across the whole championship. Um, I think also from what Rich said, I suppose the, the difficult thing that I find as a fan, and I, I know this is a how long a, is a piece of string question, is why it does take so long. Because um, I know Rich mentioned about Tosin last season. But equally, if I remember, I think Bradley J- Johnson one came quite out of the blue. And that was yeah, one that was done like in 24, 48 hours, wasn't it? Uh, it's in that it's, it's when it does come out, though, like you say, it's you probably only hear about it at the last minute. Like Harrison Reed took well, he travelled up to Blackburn and then went back down to Southampton before signing. So things can take a while. I think the, the thing is as well, it's when people get linked and then there'll be three days of people debating, oh, he's a great signing or get him signed and they build the excitement. And then when there's nothing in it, it's just like Rovers are getting shot down for you know, a player they were never into and vice versa if they're linked with somebody who there's nothing in. And everyone's saying, why are we looking at another central midfielder when there's nothing in it? So... Just trying to get clarity for that that reason, but I think the club's point of view is that why should we comment on something you know when there's when there's nothing in it? Um, from my point of view, I think that just leaves you know fans in a position where they are just doing exactly that and commenting on on things that you know really there's probably no reason for them to to be doing so. Um, but then again, it, it's just the way way of the world. They're desperate for information and. 
while there's no actual matches to talk about, that is the main thread of conversation. Well, Jacob, how do you know when to approach the club? Do you, I presume you don't just do it on every Tom, Dick and Harry that gets mentioned on Twitter. How do you know when to kind of ask someone the question? Um, I think I think the club do a pretty good job of keeping their like, cards close to their chest, um, really. I mean, I, I message as, as Rob Gill, who's the head of media, who um, I probably pester like one too many times, really. Um, it's sort of... Use your common sense in a way. Um, if if you hear something, you sort of you assess it, um, you assess the credibility of it, and sort of build up a case. And um, you don't really want to be, you know, making a statement when you haven't like got really any evidence to back it up with. Um, but yeah, I probably do harass Rob one too many tons too often each day. I'll speak to your best mate, Steve. Just get him to tell. Um, he's proven to be a, a hard man to get hold of at the minute. It's mm-hmm. if it's you agree a day with him, um, he'll delay it by another couple more days. Um, so I, I don't get my hopes up anymore, sadly. <laughs> Do you ever discuss things between you, Rich? Do you ever speak to Jacob or vice versa? And there's not been so... that much to discuss, to be honest. Wow. Um... <laughs> this is the thing, isn't it? <laughs> I think when we get down to well, the friendlies start again on Saturday, so I think from that point of view, it um, it will start coming round. And I guess it's it's what what's in the club's interest to talk about, really. You know, if they want to, I mean, you do see a lot of links and things, and it, it, you can spot where a message has been sent out to, like if I don't know, Liverpool will be signing that left, but the the Greek left back, it was just everywhere in like the space of five minutes, and then wrapped up. It's clearly like a message has gone out to say, look, run this, and it goes like that. Rovers don't particularly work like that. They they try and do keep things um, under wraps as much as they possibly can. Um, but yeah, well, like I said, we've still got another two English shots on the sixteenth of October. Does it? Um, yes. I've put it so on every the, single stat show I've done that I still can't believe Yeah, so I, th- I think that's the thing. It's whether you're, you're obviously wanting to judge. Normally you say, yeah, first day back in pre-season, we want things done. That was never going to happen this time. Uh, then you're thinking, well, at least by the first day of the season, we want it sorted. And I think that's probably also going to be a stretch. Um, but then if you leave it to October the 16th, we could be five or six games into the season, while well, you're not going to win anything in the first five or six games, you can uh, certainly leave yourself with uh, with stuff to do. Yeah. If you and Jacob were at the match on uh, on Saturday, whenever the first pre-season friendly is, one of you is probably going to be in goal, I would imagine, so you won't have much chance to... Yeah, well, I think um, I think Fisher played at uh, Barrow, didn't he, in the first game of last season. I think Joe Hilton had literally signed the day before and Fisher played 90 minutes because um, it's a lot farther away with Canada. So it looks like the the second consecutive summer, their um, fish is going to be um, left in goal, and then he's obviously got his own decision. He's like he's been out on loan this year and not really played. So I mean, Rovers like to get two in if they can to try and get him some some experience under his belt. Um, and it's the same with a lot of um, Rovers kids. Obviously, a lot of clubs are looking at him and wanting to take him. But until Rovers strengthen and bring uh, bring anybody in, I think they're uh, they're going to be made to wait on that front. Tom, do you think it is obvious to us, like as fans, uh, that when something is actually going to happen, um, you know, the, the both of the guys mentioned that earlier, do you seem that way with us? Or do you think that's just different for, for Rovers fans? We're just in permanent torment all the time. I think, I think on average, I think as a fan, you can tell when 
something's more likely to happen and when something's about to happen. Um, just generally, I think that there's a feeling about it. I don't know if that's just me. Um, but I think you see some of the, the reputable journalists comment on it and then think, especially when Rich and like, Jake get older, that's when you know that, yeah, there's something in this. And, and then it, it's close. And, but then I guess the Adarabaya one that we mentioned earlier on, um, that one was one that we were convinced we'd done for ages and then wasn't done for a lengthy amount of time. So it's one of them. It's you say that you think you know, but it's never done until it's done, is it? Until until it's announced, there's always that thing in the back of your head, and you're like, well, maybe not. So, I just whilst I've got you on as well, we've had a couple of people already mention the goalkeeping situation. Obviously, that is the key one at the moment. I think having no senior goalkeepers. Do you think that Fisher will ever? come up to championship level or is that he's already you know in his early 20s can you see him progressing to the level that he needs to be for us I'm perfectly honest I've only seen him for a few times in the, the, the 23s and he's been okay but then it sounds off to the lab but you got to question why he went out to Northampton didn't get and obviously Northampton were a top end league two side but why didn't he get a look in as, as the number one there um, same at MK Dons I think he was out as well um so obviously it's questionable. You'd worry that a lad that isn't getting in at number one in the in League Two could potentially start the season as our number one. Um, and that's nothing against the lad. That's just a general worry. Um, I hope he does have that quality to, to make the step up, and I know the club rate him quite highly. Um, but I guess that Rich said before, you've got to get that season of football under your belt where he's playing against men um, and not boys, if you will. Yeah, so as Rich said, trying to get two goalkeepers in seems to be the, the what they're trying to do. Um, let's move um, tack slightly to, I know it's a long way away, we already mentioned it's in October, but deadline day is always one of the fans' favourites, I think, Jonathan. How do you kind of approach deadline day? Are you one of those who puts Sky Sports News on at six o'clock in the morning and then just doesn't leave his sofa? Um, yeah, I won't lie. I actually am. Um guilty of that I do have a fan that absolutely loves it I think because I've always seen transfer deadlines I remember actually when it was good uh, and when it actually when stuff did actually happen um, my wife would probably tell you that I prefer transfer deadline day to Christmas actually but that's a that's another story but yeah no um, sofa gets moved close to the telly booked out from like um, two three o'clock to to watch the day multi-screen, so I've got Sky Sports News on one, refreshing Twitter feed on the other. Ultimately, to sit there and get disappointed, maybe have a perk up about five o'clock when we hear a, a rumour of someone whose name we've not heard mentioned for the past uh, three months gets there. But yeah, I'd still still always be, be a fan of it. Yeah, well, when we started, the transfer deadline day, there was only one and it was in April and there was only about five games left of the season anyway. So... Um, when they changed to this two-window thing and went in line with the rest of Europe, that was an interesting time. Um, Rich, I'll come to you then from a journalist's perspective. Uh, you know, we all get excited about it. Is it an exciting day for you as well? I know it's fairly, very busy, but do you get excited for it? And then I'll think of a player, they signed Raheem Harper, didn't they, at like 20 to 11. I think Sam Hart was a deadline day and Paul Downing. Beyond that, I'm trying to remember anybody that that Rovers have signed. Um, I think Zhao came the day before in that January. Um, yeah, we don't so, do we don't do exciting transfer deadline days. No, that, um, is that worse or better? For you? I don't know. You want you want something to keep you interested. So the last one, obviously Atsu, there was a bit of talk there. 
Um, and then Tariq Lamptey as well, who, was, to be fair, has really kicked on at Brighton. That would have been good. Um, so there's, there's a, you want a bit to, to keep you interested, but then when it got to, I think, 20 to 7 or 7 o'clock when I rang and they were like, look, nothing, nothing's happening. Uh, and then it's just the worst thing with the bearer of bad news and just putting out there that there's still... Because I think people are like, oh, there's still four hours to go, anything could happen. I'm like, look, well, if nothing's even progressing to this point that they're even here, um, it ain't going to happen. So it's a long day. And obviously there's two this time as well. So that's going to be the other thing that you're probably sitting there for... Well, I know the second one's five o'clock, isn't it? But you don't want to be sat there for... For too long, to be honest, just waiting on uh, on deciding what's happening. But uh, yeah, they've not been particularly lively. The ones that uh, that I've covered. But is it the busiest day of the year for you, Jacob? Or is that you know a, a big match day still more busy than than the deadline day? Um, it was the longest day I've worked since I started. One hundred percent. I think uh, I got into the office uh, uh, for the January transfer deadline day. Got into the office about seven and didn't end up leaving till about half eleven. Um, and obviously, it, well, we were told about in early evening time that nothing was happening. So uh, I can only, I don't envy those that were probably at a club that, where it was busy. Uh, it was only my like, second ever transfer deadline day as well, and it like sort of a, a journalist position. Um, the summer one before was with, I was keeping an eye on Birmingham and, and Coventry. Both of them sort of had, had promise a little bit. Um, but again, nothing materialised on that front. Um, so it was a bit of a damp squib in the end. But it, it's a bit of a bit of excitement going. Um, but yeah, yeah, I haven't really, I haven't seen a signing yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not well, two past two windows I've covered. So yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to when the wonders actually come through. I look forward to that. So um, back to Rich, um, Jacob already mentioned speaking to Rob Gill. Um, who do you get to speak to from the club for transfers? Do you get to speak to any of the big dogs or is it you have to work your way up to that? Yeah, there's there's ways of, ways of getting there eventually, but you have to have to bide your time. A lot of it, to be fair, is um, just bouncing off of the journalists that you build up um, like uh, relationships with as well because... It's all right, you know, coming from, from one angle. I've found that pretty much between, you know, working together, uh, that was the thing with Dak when that came about. Um, that was between me and the guy at Gillingham, worked, worked towards that. Um, Liam Lindsay as well, speaking to the people at Stoke. Because then you've got two lots of information, to be honest. I think I always think that's the, the best way to go, um, rather than just throwing something out there. I think at least if you can go to Rovers and say, rather than saying, oh, I've, I've thought this up or I've seen this or whatever. I think if you can actually go with, you know, some credence to it, you'll probably get a, get a response more than just ringing up and saying, is anything happening? Um, but if, I mean, if something is happening, like the Downing one as well, that was something I worked with the guys at Middlesbrough on um, and then put that to Steve Waggett and he was fairly open about it. So sometimes you do get things, um, you know, where they, where they will stand them up and... Um, to be fair, if if I'm, I'll always if I hear something from somebody, I'll always run it by him. Um, so I think it's more just using people that, like you say, have got different angles of coming at stories and just trying to get it firmed up by as by as many people as you possibly can. And do you was it crew that you covered before? Yeah, yeah. So how does working with crew compared to working with Rovers on transfers? Is that a completely different kettle of fish? Yeah, it's because. 
there's no you're the only interest really as you know like the the local radio and the press really there's no like national interest in signing the players that you do and because they've the players have like a a lesser standing to be honest it's a lot easier to get hold of stuff down there and it's you, a lot more forthcoming really um relationships down there were less formal than they are I guess um so it was pretty pretty easy to be honest to um to get all the stuff whereas I guess there's there's more things involved now uh the higher up that you're going transfers more people involved more scrutiny more more people telling other people and that's that's really why um it is that bit more difficult any chance you can use those relationships to smooth over a deal for Harry Pickering to fill uh, <laughs> to fill I've got a couple I, uh, he was just coming through when I he was an under eighteen, I think, when I uh, when I was covering him. Uh, pretty interesting, to be honest, because that's that's probably why I like watching Rovers Academy because crew you could pretty much see what the first team was going to be in three years' time by watching mm-hmm. the the 18s and the 23s. Um, I do think the academy at Rovers will be pretty key next season, to be honest, because I think if we do probably see four or five first team signings, and if a couple of them are goalkeepers, then we are going to need to see the squad supplemented with some of those academy lads. Yeah. Um, Tom, I'm just going to come to you. you can, people at home can probably see there's a, a countdown on the on the screen at the moment with a countdown with how long we've got left on this particular recording. We're going to tease you, though, because we're going to come back to Rich and Jacob and we're going to talk about possible things that may be happening, probably not happening, but um, some names that have been banded around recently and try and find out. But just before we do that, Tom, I just wanted to ask your opinion on whether you think we're going to get the, the business done that we, that we need to get done, that we're going to get in a goalkeeper and, and where else do you think we desperately need to get something and will that get done um, this this window yeah I think we'll bring in a goalkeeper and I think we'll bring in a centre half I'm not convinced on the quality of them um, for me not it's because everything going on Charlton are looking at Dylan Phillips who's new to what seven figure fee whether or not we can afford that and that's what it comes down to how much money do we have and, and how much money people willing to let the players go for because we need permanent signings at the end of the day I don't want another season of having a Christian Walton type Lonnie in the um, goal position as good as Adarabayo was I don't want another Lonnie centre half when we can be in the exact same position in one year's time and uh, Jacob you're going to get the last word on this particular bit um, from again a journalist perspective do you see that Rovers are going to get a goalkeeper in the centre half or is there we were not going to talk names at this point, but do you think they'll get the business done that they need to? Yeah, I think they'll fill their priority positions. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Um, and then from then on, it's sort of a case of um, supplementing the rest of the squad. Obviously, a striker's on the agenda, uh, a left-back as well. Um, then anywhere else is sort of a bonus, really. Um, but I'd, I'd be surprised if they haven't got a goalkeeper and a centre-half in by the time the season starts. Uh, so we'll leave that particular section there. We'll be back for a short blast of around about 15 to 20 minutes after I get the... Uh, the. I need to pay for Zoom, basically. I'm a cheapskate and I haven't paid for a professional version, so I'm still operating on the 40-minute limit. Um, so we'll be back in a second with a seamless edit and you'll never know that we were gone. So, um, Jonathan, I'm going to come to you as a fan at the start of this particular section. Um, 
who do you want as so obviously from a fan's perspective it might be different to, to other people's who do you want us to get in in terms of positions before the season starts and then taking that to the transfer deadline day because that's like two different questions really especially for this season of all seasons yeah I think well the top priorities without a doubt are goalkeeper <clears throat> by the start of the season that's 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 needed whether we get two in by the start of the season is possibly not as important but I do think we need a, a goalkeeper first choice um, I'd possibly say centre half as well I would obviously want one in before the start of the season, but equally, if not, would I mind Wharton be given a go to, to start with? Possibly not. I think he could, he could, he could do okay. But the goalkeeper and def- centre defence, they're, they're the main two positions. Outside of that, as sort of like um, Jacob touched on, uh, a left-back would probably be, be okay, bearing in mind the, the bad run we've had, uh, certainly with injuries for the, for the latter part of the season. And then I probably was one of the, um, I don't know, minority, but the people that would have kept Danny Graham for another season. So with him going and Samuel going, I, I do think we're possibly one short up top, whether that's a, a target man or a more of a, a winger, which we don't seem to have many of. We tend to have more strikers that are playing wide. But equally, I, I still think there's a lot more we need from the current squad, the current players. And I know um, I think Jacob did a bit for the Lanks Live where he picked out Bereton, Gallagher, uh, Holtby, who I certainly agree with as well, Chapman, all that we can get more from. And then equally, like Rich has said, um, I'm, I'm quite keen to see some more of the academy chaps progress. Um, uh, Ranking Costello, getting more time in a, a more advanced position. Um, uh, yeah, and there's even even more. You can name Butterworth, uh, Jack Vale. So, yeah, I think goalkeeper and centre half the main two, and and the rest. I think if we if we had to um, go with with youth and getting more from our current squad, then then so be it. Yeah, absolutely. Jacob, you mentioned your article there that you released recently on Lanks Live. Just tell us a little bit more about that in terms of who from the current squad you think could step up in in the place of um, if we don't get an influx in the next few weeks. Um, yeah, in terms of the, the centre back position, um, they've, they've got plenty of, of young options available to them. Obviously, Scott Wharton's the most, um, or well, the eldest of, of, of the group, um, and it's sort of a, a decisive moment for him uh, in terms of his in terms of his career. Uh, whether he now obviously makes a step up at Rovers or he goes elsewhere, um, he, he said before that he's he's determined to sort of get into the Moby's plans to, to establish himself in the first team and um, Moby said that assess him in pre-season and, and see see how he fits and you've also you've got Hayden Carter obviously played the last two two fixtures there Tyler McGloyers there um, Louis Annesley might not have pronounced that right but we'll move on <laughs> um yeah, so they've got a wealth of like young centre backs that, are, that have, have come through the academy ranks that that's available. Obviously, an attack as well. Uh, Jack Vale, Daniel Butterworth. Um, there's, there's sort of options there that can that can supplement the squad, um, and of, of course in midfield as well. You've got John Buckley, um, Jacob Davenport. It's still easy to forget that he's only only 21. Um, there are young options there that can that can step up. Um, and Moby did sort of cite that you know there you know there will be a time when they will be needed. They'll they'll have to be introduced, and um, 
that could be in the coming season. And Rich, you mentioned this earlier in the chat as well about we expecting to see a lot more of the academy starlets come through. We've still got the FA Cup youth, FA Youth Cup, sorry, semi-finals. I think they've been rearranged till September or October. If you've got any of the latest on that, and also some players that you maybe expect to see from that team, do you, any of them to play first team, or are you looking more of the older crop that might get a chance? Yeah, I think they all a lot initially. I think the Youth Cup, they are looking to finish. I mean, the new one starting in September, but I spoke to somebody at the FA and they're, they're not putting a definitive date on it other than saying we want to finish the competition. Um, out of that crop, uh, I really like Dan Pike, the fullback. Uh, he's got a deal. Uh, and Isaac Whitehall looks a class act. Um, he's one of them, a bit like Lenahan, where he probably needs to find a position. I think he plays for the under-23s just to get in the team, he'll play centre-half, he'll play right-back, he'll play centre-midfield. They stick him in the youth cup in central midfield just because I think he's the best player. Um, but he will he will be a player. Uh, Jake Garrett's not played much, but he's, um, he's a fleet in England appearances. So I think there's a few in that group um, to come through. I think the thing is, regards to first-team transfers, uh, I think it's just where you're looking to shop. And trying to work out in my head where do Rovers go to buy players because for what they pay wages-wise, you struggle to go and buy ready-made championship players. Obviously, I know they brought down Lynn Johnson in last year, uh, last season. But like even that Daniel Everson, the goalkeeper at Leicester who went to the Belgian team, they wanted 15 grand a week. And you take a long goalkeeper on 15 grand a week, he's going to be towards your higher end of your, of your wage structure. And it's the same with Murich as well at Man City. So... This is where you look into your overseas recruitment. Um, I don't know who they were, but they had two overseas goalkeepers lined up last year that were looking like happening and then fell through. So whether you can revisit that. Uh, I think the thing with the overseas, I know we spoke so much about it last last year. It was like the, the constant theme that went on and on. Um, I think it's just getting one of them over the line. And I think that was a struggle. I think, you know, when you, well, like Brentford have had those success stories where you bring one in and you can show that blueprint of what you're going to do. Um, and Rovers had a couple, Adam Marr, who went to, you know, to Vitesse Arnhem, uh, a lad from Paderborn, an attacking midfielder who they thought was coming and then just dipped away at the last minute. So it's where Rovers are going to shop. And I think that's going to be the, the most interesting thing is what markets are they able to shop in um, as things currently stand. So I had a conversation with a football agent the other day and he was telling me about he's had so many European players come to his agency or their agency and say because of the upcoming Brexit issue that's mm. going to be coming around very quickly now everyone's forgotten about it because of COVID that European players are basically throwing themselves at the UK yeah. trying to get in now before it gets more complicated and work permits are going to be required. So is it not maybe more likely that European players might be on the agenda this window than they might ever be in future? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's a good point. Um, and like we've said, a, a lot of players, you're looking around and Northampton, the lad that played alongside Wharton, Charlie Good, if they're wanting a million pounds for him, that's a million pound centre-half who last year was captain, obviously they got promoted, but was in was in League Two. If, if you needed to pay seven-figure fees for, for players like that, um, I think that just shows where the market is. So, Rovers see value in the overseas market. Um, so, 
whether, like you say, if that is going to be an added bonus for them that you can get them. I think it's just about getting one or two over the line to hopefully show the way that um, they are a club that are worth taking a chance on for um, for an overseas player. And of course, Jonathan, we've already got Charlie Good's centre-half partner from last season, don't we? Yeah, just to ask Richard another question on that, because, um, yeah, as you said, European scouting has been a, a lot made of that. There's also been a lot made over the past well, couple of months about the budget for this year and lack of clarity around it. I don't know what you know, but do you feel that that's had any impact on the European recruitment? Because you could easily, we don't know how much work is going into it, but they could have identified three, four, five targets. But then having no firm figures where conversations could happen, surely that must have hampered us. Yeah, well, I mean, it was because I spoke to Melbourne after the Luton game and I was saying, look, you, you wanted to speak to the players like two days afterwards and letting them know about the, the contract situation. If you've not got clarity over the budget, how are you going to do that? Uh, obviously, there were, there were decisions made whether that could have changed depending on the budget. But having walked away after that Luton game and speaking to the people at the club, they seemed quite relaxed over the whole budget thing. Um, it is interesting. I think Rovers is one of the main clubs where fans talk about the budget and are obsessed by the budget just because they're so used to Mowbray going over to India and then he comes back and talks about the budget and the timing of that like we thought last year he might go in March during the international break it was then end of early June maybe so I think there has always been that gap that Rovers have had to wait for the budget um, and that has possibly been a reason behind why recruitment has always taken that bit longer because they're waiting for that clarity. I think Mowbray's wanted to go over because he sees that speaking to the owners face to face, the way he is as a person, is like so personable that him getting his vision across is probably going to eke out a few more quid. But I guess what we're dealing with this summer is completely different to to any other. Um, so I think the noises will be that they certainly will look to recruit. And I certainly don't think we'll see a a standout signing like we've seen for the last two summers where, because the money has gone unspent. Um, so, it, it wait to be seen, wait to be seen what, what does happen over that. But I, I do think, it, as fans, Robust fans are more interested in the budget, I think because of the whole thing around Venkis and the spending and what we've seen go, you know, in previous years, um, that it is a hot topic of debate. And I think it's one of the many issues that I think the club need to clarify with, with supporters because like I said they are it's one of the many things they wanted to know uh, Jacob have you got anything kind of to add on that in terms of the budget and what you might have, have known I suppose you won't know anything more than Mitch necessarily but is that massively affecting where we're looking to spend our money um, yeah, I agree with Rich in terms of that it's sort of a, a relaxed demeanour about um, the budget and, and stuff uh, in terms of like identifying players, I don't think they've had um, much of an issue. They seem to be happy on that sort of respect. They, they've obviously invested in analysts and, and expanded it. And uh, I think they're quite happy in terms of um, being able to recruit, uh, identify. But um, yeah, in terms of being uh, finding a price and um, sort of negotiating, it, it seems to be uh, a bit of a difficulty. Yeah, well, telling me. Um, the 
not not to blow I want to promote a couple of things that we've done as well in terms of sensible transfers I obviously run the stat show for Rovers chat mostly um, I guest appear on 1875 podcasts from time to time but um, like I say it's, with the modern technology these days and the amount of data that you can get from um, your laptop really it's, it's quite a, a useful tool and Tom I don't know if you've seen many of those sensible transfers videos you should have done because you're a loyal Rovers chat member um, do you see, can you see Mowbray and, and the team going for many of those kind of like under the radar German second division, Austrian division players? Is that, do you think, where they're looking? I think, I think like, like obviously everyone's touched on, there's a lot of talk, isn't there? Like you said with Brexit and stuff and there's potential for that to have an impact. And I think that you can find those hidden gems in those divisions and they come a much cheaper price and if you find one and they're unbelievable then you quids in it's looking like Brentford but then for every like the Brentford signing there's there's a 40 coiter um who was poor um there's a Sasha Petchy who was poor so I think that you got to be careful you don't want to go and and go and buy a truckload of players from these divisions and then come over and them take two or three seasons to get there and before you know it we're back in League One. Um but then then like Rich said, these are the you're not gonna go out and buy a ready made championship player with the with the especially the wages that that we're working with. So it, i think it's a balancing act, isn't it? You want to make sure that you get the right player and you don't just go and spend money on players because they might turn out brilliant. Um like I said, forty coins one achievement at Blackburn was hitting the crossbar from about 30 yards out. So, I mean, it is that balancing act, isn't it? You don't just want to want to waste it and, and you need to make sure that the players that you are bringing in from these divisions are players that are going to add something to the team and not just be a figure around the club. I think wages is the biggest thing rather than the transfer fit. Well, certainly in previous years, I think you look around the division, you think, oh, well, that's a good signing. Why couldn't Rovers go for him? And you think, well, they probably could have afforded the the two or three million to sign those players. It's then the twenty-five, thirty grand that they're getting paid by those clubs. So it's it's weighing up the um, the value really with the with the wages. Um, and we're in a market now where everybody's struggling financially. So any player you want to go and buy, the price is going to be hiked up. Um, same with if any somebody comes calling for one of Rovers prized assets, you're going to be adding more onto it as a premium for the market that you're buying in. So I think it is going to be going to be difficult to, to get deals over the line more than ever, um, particularly where, where transfer fees are concerned. We have um, made some room in the budget, though, getting rid of Danny Graham, I know, was on a, a decent amount of money. And if we're not, obviously, we toss in, we're paying part of his wages, I think, and Walton the same. So um, there must be some wiggle room in there. Mm. And if we're looking at... Central European players, they aren't paid as highly. Um, League One, League Two players as well are probably within our reach. It's just that I think a lot of play- fans want to see recognised names, um, possibly from the lower end of the Premier League, or you know, not getting a game in the Premier League, basically. But those wages are just way out of our, our range. And I think we can say to fans that are listening to this, that's probably not a market that we're looking at. Mm. I mean, Casey Palmer being on 35 grand a week, having played... However many times he's played for Chelsea, Adarabayo was on a fortune at City, and probably going to get an increase on that if he signs a new deal. So that's another market where you think, oh, Premier League players, you know, 
fringe players in the Premier League take a chance on them. It's just the the wages are just just astronomical. Um, so that's the thing for me. It's what what market a rover is looking to uh, looking to shop in. On that note, Rich, how much do you think um, with the wages that stuff might hinge on Mulgrew departing? And if yeah, that's the part. Do you think we'll let him go for free just to get the wages off the bill? Well, I mean, I know it's quite the the salary cap thing's going to be an interesting one. Isn't it? I mean, Small have got fixed up at Hull, um, and if you look at the players that Rovers have have gone out of the five, you know, if they're trying to get League One moves, even on the money that they were on, is is going to be difficult. Um, and then the Mulgrew one is is one. I mean, Mowbray to Umbridge when I did question that he signed the new deal in November 2018 a two and a half year deal and then by the following summer he was loaned out to Wigan with still like two years left on his deal and Mowbray's answer was that he felt he deserved that deal but I think there are a couple of players that's one thing that Rose have struggled to do particularly during my time probably a bit before is you know getting either selling players for transfer fees or players that you'd probably you know the fringe fringe players Moving them on, um, mainly because Mowbray's not one to you know he doesn't sideline players. They won't be tra- they won't be training with the twenty threes. Um, it'll be one of those where it'll be oh we'll listen to offers if they come in you know rather than actively actively looking to get um, get somebody out. But Mulgrew's another one like you say is it, it would help um, and I think it would benefit everybody if if he did find a move. Um, but then again, it's it's where where does he go? Yeah, to me that was a that was a bit of a shocker. I can say it a little bit more maybe impartially, but I when I was researching how long our players had left, to see that Mulgrew had that extra year, maybe more than he should have done. He should, really should have been expiring. I think when Danny Graham mm. was expiring as well. Um, Ryan Nyambi is one that I think expires oh, yeah. next year. Is next it next year? Yeah. Then I think that shows how far Nyambi's come. That he only got offered a two-year deal. Um, and now, for me, he'd be up there be with the down. priority of contracts. Um, I've asked the club and not heard anything yet that anything anything started with regards to you know anything looking likely. But I, I do think if you're going to, then it's one thing they've done pretty well. I will I will say that after they lost Callum Wright when he went to Leicester, they've been good at tying down the the younger players. Uh, I know Travis is on extended deal. Lennon's got another two years. They've been trying with Dak for for a while, um, and that's going to be key as well. They've got a lot of players coming into the last year of the contracts: um, Holtby, Rothwell, Williams, uh, Evans, Bennett. So there's a lot of players who um, who are really wanting, like you said, big seasons to to kick on. Yeah, and that's yeah. almost as important as it is to sign new players: is to either get those players tied down quickly because we know what it's like in the last season of a contract. Or to just decide that they're going to be replaced as well, but we're struggling to replace the ones that we've already let go. Mm. So this is what we mean about this summer being so so pivotal. Let's move on to some names if we can. Jacob, have you got anything? Someone mentioned Liam Lindsay earlier. We obviously talked about, I think Harry Suter was mentioned. So we've got two Stoke centre-backs who've been linked on Twitter. Um, Is there anything to any of those that you know about, Jacob? Um. No, not it's sort of gone gone quiet a bit this week. Well, I say eerily quiet. I think last on, on last Monday I got um, I got a text in the morning about Ainsley Pears, um, 
and then the, the Gazette sort of sort of ran on that. Um, and obviously, Rich brought up uh, Liam Lindsay over the weekend. Um, Harry Harry Suter's sort of a, sort of an interesting one because obviously it's Stoke have got a wealth of centre back options. They've just signed James Chester. Um, he, he was excellent as well. Suter was excellent for Fleetwood at the back in the last campaign. The last campaign, whether he obviously Michael O'Neill decides to keep him or not is a is an interesting one. And whether if they do decide to let him go, whether it's a loan or, or permanent, probably more likely a loan. Um, so that that'd be interesting on that in that respect. And obviously Nixon with his wealth of contacts, surprising a few on Sunday with with Philip Hoffman. Um, so. It, it, yeah, there's, there's been a few few links around, but it's nothing nothing concrete in, in the last week or so. Anything to add on that, Rich? Yeah, Lin, um, I'll cough to Lindsay, who was mine. Um, they were after him last summer. They looked at both him and Pinnock um, at Barnsley. And obviously looked at, at Bauer the, the year before. So they've looked at top-end League One for, for a centre-half. I think... They're going to have to bite the bullet somewhere that you're not going to get an Adarabio replacement because very few centre-halves play like him, certainly one that Rovers could afford. So do you give up the passing out from the back or a bit of mobility and just buy a header and a kicker of a centre-half or do you try and go down the down the route of, um, of getting a younger one in? Um, Lindsay certainly be available, um, so one that they could move for. I did think that Cornell was going to be nailed on, to be honest, as one of the two goalkeepers. Probably not his first choice, which is probably why he has opted for Ipswich. Um, but I do think the loans are going to be key. Like I know Tom said, uh, if they can get around having a lone goalkeeper, um, I don't think that suited anybody. Um, certainly wasn't the plan when they got rid of Raya. I think they certainly thought one or certainly two of the overseas lads that they were looking at. Um, and then I think it was it was the Berry friendly when Walton signed. So that must have been, what, 10 days out from the start of the season. Um, and I think that was pretty much a ring round of, of who's available. So avoiding that would be, uh, would be beneficial. And I think we're probably going to see with the recruitment of who they do sign in the attacking positions as to what formation the manager's looking to play. Because I think if they're going to go flat three in midfield, they're probably... I know everybody says they've got enough central midfielders. They probably do need a central midfielder because Downing's certainly not progressing at any rate that looks like that's going to be tied up quickly. Um, Why is that? Probably because the same reason as the whole, you know, not wanting to offer the same terms that it was on. I think he... And one of those, you know, where you've left it to, to get to. I think the manager was so relaxed over the situation with Downing that even the summer before he met him in his front, uh, they went and sat in Downing's living room and had a chat and they were like, yeah, like you go and have a, have a look around and the offer's there. Which I think they still seem fairly relaxed over the situation. Um, and Downing's probably in a similar position as well. You know, where he's seeing what's out there and probably not, getting the same offer as before. So there's probably just that standoff at the minute is is the Rovers offer that's on the table for him, you know, the best one that's going to be out there. But he's a lad who played 43 games for you last year. Um, so if you do lose another, that's somebody else that you, 
you do need to replace. And you've obviously lost Danny and, and Dom at the top end of the pitch. You were playing fairly regularly post lockdown. So, but then if you think is you're turning around and saying, well, we've spent £11 million on, on two strikers. And if you ask for a lot of Rovers fans, they'd be saying, we need to be in the market for a striker, which seems, you know, that's a, a strange thing to be saying. But I don't know for me, if you're getting Dak back, can you look at a quartet of Dak, Brereton, Gallagher and Armstrong and say, can they get you 50 goals between them? Um, I think that's going to be the question that has got to be answered, you know, as to whether they do look to look to bring in another attacker. Because again, the options that they were looking at in January, of what, just over a million quid to spend in January. And they were looking at Curtis and Josviak, who were both valued at nearer three. So if that's any market that you're looking for in attacking players, it's again, do you just get a kid on loan from a, a Premier League club to supplement it? Or are you then saying to Butterworth and Vale and saying you've then got six or seven with Rothwell and Holtby thrown in? Is that going to be enough? And I think the priority's obviously got to be at one end of the pitch, but you can't just take your eye off the ball at the other. And it's just balancing the, the money that's available for, for where the priorities are. Just bringing Tom in on those points. Number one, what do you see in terms of formation that Mowbray will play? Will he stick to what he did post-COVID or will he be more flexible? And two, do you see that a quartet of Armstrong, Dak, Brereton and Gallagher can get enough goals for us? You know, on the formation thing, I think that it's clear that he, he seemed to favour that flat three midfield. And whether I agree with it or not, I think that's what he started the season with. Um because he persisted with it even when it was clear that it wasn't necessarily working. I think that's probably... I, think, I love Mowbray for everything he's done, but my one criticism would be that I think sometimes he can be a tad stubborn. Um, I don't necessarily rate all this fancy football he's trying to play either, but that's just me. Um, with regards to the quartet, whether they can score those goals, I mean, you back Dak to get your minimum 10. Armstrong, if he can continue his form of last season, minimum 10. We've seen that Gallagher can do that, but he's just struggled this season. And Brereton's one where you think, funny enough, I was talking to a Forest fan on um, Saturday, and they said about Brereton that he had a game against Arsenal in the Cup that everyone seems to know about, where he just absolutely handled Mertesacker. But then... Another game looks like Bambi on ice, doesn't it? So I think Burton's the the one that you're holding out for there. Can he step up? Because if he does, then the last two seasons are forgiven and you think, well, you know, we've got a striker on our hands. Um it really is a tough one. I think we're in a we're in we're not in great shape, I don't think, generally. Because um, I Rich said you, to go back to the, the formation one, if you're gonna play the flat three then you probably need to bring in another midfielder because Evans is injured far too often. Um, you've got Travis there, you know he's going to start. Holtby, who really should be doing better than what he has been doing with the quality he's got. So it's, it's a really tricky one, I think. Because like, like we've said, it's a huge, huge summer. And, and that's only amplified by the fact that can these four players get you goals and, and can you play that formation that he wants to play with the players currently at his disposal? And I don't think that we can. Or at least not or at least not to challenge like a lot I think a lot of fans are expecting. Yeah, I, think, I think that's that's the big way. It's it's do you want to stagnate? I think 
this is the issue with football. I think this season we didn't really expect much, but then all of a sudden it was like, you know, a few wins and we're there in the playoffs and it never quite happened. We always just felt that final hurdle. Um, and I think this season you look at it and think, well, under normal circumstances, you think, right, OK, we've done that then, let's push on. The issue is, like we've said, Walton was alone. Our, arguably our standout centre-half was alone. Um, Danny Graham's left and whether or not he played a huge part last season is irrelevant. He's gone. Um, it, it, it's a big, big summer. Um, and I don't know. They don't I, seem I, to I be in a rush to that, do they? This is the thing. That's, that's the thing as well. There's, a, there's, And obviously with, with COVID, everything's changed, but there is a lack of urgency. And I know, obviously, Richard Jake will know more, but I think... I don't know if people said on Twitter, if Devil's Advocate... And, and, and what's better but season tickets haven't been released the kit again is late we're always late with the kit and I don't know um, there's a lot of things that worry me at the moment with regards to the club and, and just what to expect next season because the moment I see us battling relegation I'm being perfectly honest with the way we currently are Jonathan I'm going to Mike, give you the last word on that particular thing I've got one or two more questions for the for the lads not very long ones not about the transfers either um, just about the sponsorship deal that ha- uh, that we've read news about but just sticking with the transfers for the last little bit for you has have Rich or Jacob given you any confidence that we're going to have a good summer and some doesn't seem too confident about it um <laughs> <laughs> no no um um, I, I think we, this is goalkeeper and centre half that we need to address. I'm, I'm, I just don't see it being how we all want it or being sorted in, in time for the start of the season. I echo what Tom and Rich both said about the four-three-three. I think if we do go for that formation, we're we're missing someone in midfield. I think we'd be okay to have Travis as like the, the pivot of the three, but I'm not convinced we've got two players that can play either side of them in that formation, how it how it should work. Um, I don't know, this is, this is really, really unprecedented times, really difficult times, but it's, yeah, I suppose it's just frustrating because um, whereas we, we don't fully know what's going on, um, we're, we're clear on what needs to be done and sometimes silence doesn't, doesn't help, does it? No, but if we know, I mean, we know that they know. So, I think we've maybe got to give a little bit of respect as well to the recruitment team. We know that they've been putting a lot of effort in. Well, we think we do. Um, we don't have inside information to the club, but we've got to have faith that they have got plans and they're going to hopefully follow through on some of those and we'll find out about those through Rich and through Jacob as, as when, when we get them. Jacob, just quickly then, on we, we heard yesterday or the day before that the deal with 10Bet um, has come to an end a year early. Um, just give us the little information that you have on that and are we working towards getting a new sponsor in for the for the start of the season? Yeah, so um, it, it seems that they've got um, like potential new investors on, on the table uh, with us sorting, sorting through through that. Uh, and it, it turns out that the, the deal with Tenbet had actually, um, the, the agreement had been ended um, a, a couple of months ago. So it's sort of, sort of been kept under wraps a little bit. Um, the club didn't really make a, a massive statement on it other than... We lost Jacob there. Just... Rich, do you want to pick up there, maybe? That's yeah, um, 
So I don't, I don't know. You've touched on communication before about the the transfers. I, I do think there are areas where the club could come forward more. Yeah, something that I've put forward to. I think just just clarity over a few things will be good. Um, will happen this week, but I think I did an interview with Steve April maybe, and I think since then there's not really been much. Obviously, there's not been no fans forums or anything like that, and I think the ten bet thing as well. Um, I guess the, the contract was three years, so everyone was working on the assumption that it would still got still got a year left to go. Um, asked the question today and was said that the club were fairly relaxed and that it wasn't a situation where it had just been sprung upon them like everybody had thought. I think they've drawn head to terms up with one company, um, so the feeling is that that will be sorted in time for the season, um, and that's got no impact on on the kit either. Obviously, I know they've tied up the, the totally wicked thing for the training gear. Uh, and on the back of the shirt, sponsor as well is up for renewal. So there's a lot of things, you know, that are just up in the air at the minute. Um, I know a lot of fans have gone out about season tickets. Rose's stance is that how can we sell something that we don't know we can honour? On the flip side of that, there's fans who are saying, look, if you get out of the habit of going, as we've seen with a lot of people, Post Premier League days, are you then down from wanting ten thousand season tickets and selling eight and a half? Does eight and a half suddenly become seven? And then where do you where do you go from there? Really, I think any income streams that you can have, and obviously Rovers haven't played a game at home with any real fan income since the um, the Swansea game at the end of February. So it's a big hole to plug um, since then. So there are there are a lot of things to to address and it, it is a difficult time but if they can get a sponsor lined up which the suggestion is that they haven't been looking for a couple of days like we thought they had and they've had a bit of time to work towards that that can be at least one box ticked we need to get a few boxes ticked I think um, over the next month or so before the season restarts um, speaking of ticking boxes we're going to say goodbye now um, got to score down the line thank you for your time tonight Rich first of all thank you Jacob, if you're back, hopefully you're back. And thank you for your time as well. Technical difficulties, no. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Lovely. Tom, thank you for uh, you know just taking over your girlfriend's bedroom for the night as well. Yeah, no worries. Downstairs, it's fine. She's uh, enjoyed some time watching some rubbish reality TV show, I'm sure. So that's fine. Well, you've gone spoiled that now by re-announcing your presence. And Jonathan, oh. uh, thank you first of all for the idea. Um, you know, I'll leave the last word to you. Were you so what are you kind of going to be going back to and interrupting now for your family? Oh, I, I think my son's expecting me to go back and tell him that we're signing A, B and C by the end of the week. So, <laughs> But no, thanks. So. It's been really helpful. Thanks, uh, Rich and Jacob. For well, hopefully, as well. like I said, hopefully by the end of the week, um, we'll have a bit more. Because I, I'm, like I say, I'm trying as much as anybody because I know I'm the one who gets the question so it's then me who passes it on to the club so they certainly know that everybody's asking from, from me pestering enough so uh, like I said hopefully we'll uh, we'll get a bit more coming through and hopefully something <laughs> something positive for a change Absolutely um, if you haven't already subscribed to um, all of our various channels of social media you'll see the subscribe button if you're watching this on youtube please hit subscribe there's loads of really interesting content on there sensible transfer series that i did with some guests 
um, Adair as well, five of those looking at goalkeeper, central defender, left back, centre forward and wide forward. Uh, definitely worth a, a look at those if you've not already done so. Um, I know Tony Mowbray's watched them and he said he's definitely going to go and try and sign some of those players. So, um, you know, watch that, watch this space on, on that. We also have the John Curtis podcast. We spoke to John Curtis um, a couple of months ago now when COVID was just first starting. Um, and he gave a very interesting interview about his career at Rovers. And we have more coming up. We've spoken to Andy Todd and we've got a few others in the pipeline as well. So keep your ears peeled for that. Thank you for listening for this tonight and hopefully you've gained some insight into what goes on with the transfers at the club. And one more time, I'd just like to thank all of the guests as well, Jonathan, Tom, Jacob and Rich. And we'll speak to you all again soon. You can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes. What do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high-quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.